Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books. And cats. Happy New Year, book lovers. So, real quick, I wanted to mention the fact that we lost Betty White on the last day of 2021. I think it bears mentioning what an amazing woman and what a mind-blowing just talent and career. She really broke down so many boundaries. Personally, the Golden Girls were a huge part of my childhood, which is weird, but it really was. I used to watch it with my great-grandmother, and it was so funny. All four of those women were so incredibly hilarious, and they also tackled major issues at the time, like racism, homophobia, ageism, and just the general treatment of women, especially the strong-willed women. (laughs) It definitely shaped a lot of my humor, and honestly, it provided me with a lot of my earliest education about these topics. I think that the Golden Girls contributed to me being an out-of-the-box thinker, and gave me some good social morals, which were not exactly being taught or even really deemed acceptable at the time. So rest in peace, Betty White. What an amazing woman. In slightly happier news, Maya Angelou is going to be the first Black woman to be featured on a quarter. Her design is the first in the American Women Quarters program, which is a four-year program that will include coins featuring prominent women from U.S. history. Other honorees are going to include the astronaut Sally Ride, actress Anna Mae Wong, suffragist and politician Nina Otero-Warren, and Wilma Mankiller, who was the first female principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. I do think this is really cool. It's about time that a Black woman is honored in that way. At the same time, it feels a little bit like a distraction. Just gonna say it. It seems like if you wanted to do something for... Women, especially black women in this country, um, we could probably find something a little better. This just feels like something to kind of placate the masses. But still kind of cool. I always like uh, cool quarters. So anyway, I am starting this new year and the new season with a fabulous book. So let's get right into it and talk about A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. So this was part of my giant book of the month order from December, and it was a one-night read. I could not put it down. It had all of my favorite thriller components. It had an unreliable narrator. It had several potential suspects, interwoven storylines, and the information was revealed at a nice pace and in such a way that, well, I initially guessed where it was going. I had almost forgotten about that by the end. And so when it came back, it was a very fulfilling ending. There were definitely some unexpected revelations, and the main character was well-written and complex. Much of her is stuck at the age of 12, which is definitely an interesting character trait. In general, the plot follows Chloe Davis, a psychologist whose own life has been marred by tragedy, 
and the subsequent trauma. Chloe is doing the best she can to move on with life. She is engaged and owns her own practice. She's mostly happy, though she always feels a little on edge, as if danger is lurking just around the corner. But overall, she is living a happy, well-adjusted life. But then Chloe receives a call on the 20th anniversary of a terrible tragedy, the kidnapping and deaths of six teenage girls, for which Chloe's father is now in prison for life for committing. He was caught when Chloe was 12, and she hasn't seen him since. She has tried to pretend that he is dead, but now she has been contacted by a reporter for the New York Times for an article about the 20th anniversary and everything comes crashing back into the forefront of her mind. And then it begins again. Two teenage girls disappear and are later found dead. Both have connections to Chloe. Both are found near her. Is there a copycat killer out there? And are they trying to send Chloe a message? This is such a great book. I don't want to spoil anything. This one definitely keeps you guessing, and the story is fast-paced and engaging. I loved it you won't be able to put it down. (laughs) So definitely check out A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. So good. So a quick reminder, be sure to check out my top reads of 2021. And if any of them interest you, send me an Instagram message. And if nobody's claimed that title, I'll send it to you. All of these books are so good and they need to be shared. So go to books.cats.pod on Instagram and check it out. And now we're going to take a quick break. Hey, book lovers. It's a new year, and maybe you've got some new goals for 2022. If one of your goals is learning a language, make sure to include Prismatext in your learning toolbox. Prismatext provides ebooks of really great novels written in English, but with words and phrases throughout in the language of your choice. You can use the link in the show description, and also if you use the code BOOKSANDCATS, you get 30% off your order. That's books, the letter N, cats. Read some classics while learning a new language with Prismatext. They've got a new app now, so reading their books is even easier. It is such a great tool for learning a new language. Check it out and get 30% off your order with code books and cats. Welcome back, book lovers. So we had a scare with our oldest cat, Zeus, during the holidays He started not eating or drinking, and his body weight dropped dramatically. He's 15, so while this was upsetting, it's not super surprising. Everyone had their moments with him and cried and worried, and we all just kind of waited. And every morning, we all checked on him first thing, and it was tense. Everyone was really worried that he was going to pass on Christmas, which might seem a little callous, but we just didn't need that shadow over the holiday. But instead for Christmas, we got a more active, eating, meowing Zeus. And he has completely bounced back. He's still on the skinny side, but he has filled out some and he looks like a normal cat again. He's just back to his usual lovey self and just as active as ever. (laughs) So that ended up being a wonderful gift. I think everyone feels like this is a little extra time. He's not young, um, but for now he's back to normal. So we're just enjoying it. Now, speaking of gifts, my husband got me the absolute best Christmas gift this year. It's a book, of course, and it combines a couple of my major interests. It's called Fashion Victims, The Dangers of Dress, Past and Present by Allison Matthews David. 
Now, I love fashion, and I love true crime, weird deaths, all things creepy. So this was the perfect gift for me. (laughs) I already knew a couple of the stories, but there was a lot more detail, and it's just really interesting. I'm thinking that for the next few episodes, I might share some of the more interesting stories, just because I find it fascinating and, you know, it's book-related. This week, I wanted to tell you about a quick piece that's in the book. It's about an illustration by John Tenniel called Ghost in the Looking Glass. In the illustration, a fashionable woman from the Victorian era is gazing at herself in the mirror only to see a horrifying reflection of the seamstress who died making her gown. And this is based on a real incident. In 1863, 20-year-old Marianne Walkley was employed by the court dressmaker, who at the time was making ball gowns for an event that was celebrating the arrival of the new Princess of Wales from Denmark. Sadly, after 26 and a half hours of nonstop sewing, Marianne Walkley passed away. 20 years old. She sewed for over a day straight. This became an oft-recited tale, and it tried to place a light on the toll of the manufacturer during the increase in fashion demands. And I just found it interesting. I've always been interested in historical fashions, and the Victorian era came up a lot when I was a costumer for theater. So I know how complex the fashions were, yet somehow I had not really considered the dressmakers and the toll that all of those balls and large functions must have taken on them. Yes, they could make a good income, but at what cost? And how much can you actually get done? I don't know. I just found it really interesting. And I felt bad that I'd never really considered that aspect of history before. Anyway, stay tuned for more horrifying fashions. My hubby absolutely nailed the Christmas gift this year. It is so fascinating. So now moving on to another holiday, this week's quotes of the week are all about trying new things for the start of the new year. More and more, I am feeling the need to try things. We only have one life, so why not fill it with experiences? Why not learn and explore everything that we can? Like, what else is the purpose of life? I don't know. That's where my head's at right now, anyway. (laughs) So the first quote is from the great Anthony Bourdain. Without experimentation a willingness to ask and try new things, we shall surely become static, repetitive, and moribund. Love it. (laughs) I'm a big fan of Anthony Bourdain, and so is my husband, whose birthday is coming up at the end of this month, and he's been really into cooking lately, so I got him an Anthony Bourdain cookbook, which I am super excited to give him. Luckily, he doesn't listen to this podcast, so he'll have no idea. Anyway, so the second quote of the week is from Lee Hammond. To live an art-filled life, one must be willing to try new things and accept that things change. And I just love that. I'm always trying to live an art-filled life. So far, so good. (laughs) Oh, now, Heart of the Storm is back, my weekly writing project. We are on chapter 38. Please enjoy. Thea was screaming at the blank screen, the one black square amongst the many far less interesting ones that were still working perfectly. She pounded the controls with her brutal little fists, 
and smashed the panel to bits. Something yanked her hard by the hair and dragged her up the wall to the ceiling. She hovered there, feeling the full weight of her body at her scalp. And then suddenly, she was plummeting to the floor. She hit hard and rolled under the remains of the control panel and peered up. The annoying fish brat's mom was hovering near the ceiling of the tall room. When she locked eyes with Thea, she made a ghastly noise that made Thea's blood turn to ice. And then she dove for her. The ghost collided with Thea and wrapped her slimy, ice-cold essence around her face. The goo was so cold it burned as it oozed into every opening. Thea struggled against her slimy opponent. Her strength was surprising for a ghoul, and Thea was caught off guard for a few precious seconds. Then she gathered her composure and tore off her gooey attacker. A bit of it broke free and caught in her throat, but she coughed once and tossed the mass as hard as she could at the wall. The remains of the creature hit the wall with a sickening smack and left a sticky smear on the paint. The rest of it disappeared. Thea took just a second to revel in her victory before she turned her attention back to the screens. All of them were working now. The monsters were gathered outside the door of the room where the girls had last been. But now the room was empty. She stared at the screen for a long time. The room was windowless. The door was still enchanted and locked. They wouldn't have made it past the horde on the other side of the door anyway. So where were they? Where are we? Rhea tried to keep the fear from her voice. She'd never been scared before, never out of control. She hated the feeling. Nim continued to dip and dive and swirl around in the water, and it was making Rhea nauseous. She had her eyes closed, but it wasn't making the motion sickness any better. At least the pain had passed. She was grateful for that. Open your eyes, Rhea. Nim's voice was full of excitement, and Rhea slowly opened her eyes. The water still swirled around them. It held them aloft, but it did not touch them now. Rhea blinked rapidly. She couldn't understand what she was seeing. She was looking at Nim all of her. She looked down and discovered she had her own body. Not the same one she'd had before. It was possibly even better than before. And she was free. A solitary person. She hadn't realized how much she'd missed her privacy. Nim was grinning. What do you think? How? Was all Rhea could think to say. My sister, Cerise. She has a plan and I think I am beginning to understand what it is. She's brilliant. She has a different father. Not one of us, lucky girl. Her father was a good, kind man. Rhea understood the cloud that briefly passed over her cousin's face. Their blood shared the same poison. It was an inescapable curse. Nim's sister would never understand the head start that she'd had. I hope I can thank her someday. This is an amazing gift. Nim smiled again. She is the very kindest girl. I have missed having full control of my body. She kicked her legs and floated around in a slow, graceful circle. Where are we, Nim? Do you know? This is not the room in the mansion. I'm not sure what this is. Rhea was truly baffled. 
She had spent her life accumulating knowledge, but this was beyond anything she'd read about. Nim shrugged. Not sure. Cerise kept up much better with her river magic. It stopped speaking to me long ago. Nim swirled around with her arms out. She looked different now, too. Her body was sturdier, muscular, and a bit more curvaceous. She was less of a water nymph and more solid. Rhea could tell it was bothering her. I am wholly changed, Nim said softly, as if she could still hear Rhea's thoughts. I don't really know who I am anymore. Rhea nodded. She knew exactly how Nim felt. You don't need to know. It'll come. I hope so, Nim said, and she began to sob. As Nim cried, the water increased. Every pocket of air was filled, and the walls began to creak under the pressure. Rhea was somehow still able to breathe, but she held her breath anyway. She swam over to Nim and tried to stop her, but she had broken the dam. There was no stopping this flood. Thea stormed down the hall and the horde of monsters fell back. The door was bulging oddly, but the magic was holding. The monster that had been Ke held up his bloodied hands. He had wrecked his fists punching the door. Thea shook her head with disappointment, and he cringed away from her. That made her smile. Stand back, she commanded. She threw her arms open and called up as much magic as she could muster. When the air hummed around her, she brought her hands together in a deafening clap that cracked the door. She slammed her palm against the break in the wood, and the door burst open. And then the flood came rushing out. And that's the end of Chapter 38, Book Lovers. The podcast is back, Heart of the Storm is back, and pretty soon Storytime with M will be back too. That one is going to be a little more delayed, probably until February, but it is coming. So bring on the books in 2022, and bring on lots of cat cuddles, too. Remember, book lovers, for all things books and cats, you can check out my website, booksandcatspod.com. For any episodes you may have missed, merch, anything else that's books and cats related. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs>